Welcome to Spirit in Action. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and each week we bring you visits and conversations with people doing healing work for this world, hearing what they're doing and what inspires them and supports them in doing it. Welcome to Spirit in Action. We've got a very special guest today for Spirit in Action, and I want to ask you up front to reach out to help her, something I don't think I've ever done before on this program. Bahare Zari Bahari, commonly called Bahar, is an amazing and fearless Iranian woman, sojourning for the past six years in the Philippines, who is under assault from afar by the Iranian regime, especially because of her vocal and visible advocacy for women's rights in Iran. As you'll hear in this interview with Bahar, her advocacy of equal rights was first suppressed by the Iranian regime when she opened a school in Iran, and the fact that they would no longer allow her to teach led her to pursue a degree as a doctor of dentistry studying in the Philippines. During those years, she pursued some supplemental income as a model, which led to her competing for and winning three beauty queen crowns. But her competition was not just about her. It was about modeling freedom for the people of Iran, and her simple but powerful witness during the contest has brought the wrath from the government back home down on her, with strings pulls, pressure applied, and three physical assaults on Bahar, including one in which they broke her nose. Trapped now, with minimal help and protection from vengeful Iranian forces, with people all around her reluctant to step into the path of that wrath, Bahara Zara Bahari needs our help. Bahar joins us via Zoom from the Philippines. Bahar, thank you so very much for joining me for Spirit in Action. Thank you so much to invite me and thanks for your time. Well, your time, especially since you're halfway around the globe from me, right now it's morning for me. What time is it for you there in the Philippines? It's midnight, but it's okay, thank you. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Because there's always different time with everywhere in Canada, in USA, or even in Iran. So I used to be awake at night, and so I am a night person. <laughs> Do you get to stay in touch with your family? Actually, when you're saying about family, you mention mother, father, brother, or sisters. I didn't have any time sister. I am only daughter. My father passed away in 2014, and two months ago, September 6th, I lost my mother, too. That's so sad. Can you say anything about that? Uh, How do you deal with that from this distance? This is the only story that broken me. I I do not never feel loser in my life, but this time I feel loser because I had no chance to be with my mother. And it's still hard to talk about that for me. It was a very suspect story. My mother was healthy. Every day we had conversation together, every day we talked together, and she was okay. Suddenly, my sister-in-law called me and said that my mother is sick, and she said my mother have a cancer she admitted in a hospital. So I tried to reach to the doctor, but I understand the doctor left my mother in the hospital, and my mother had no doctor to continue her chemotherapy in the hospital, and then she got coronal COVID-19. And after two months fighting with all of this, she died. And during all this time, she asked me, why you are not coming to Iran to your mother? Why you are not coming to take care of your mother? It seems it was only a plan to force me back to Iran. But in the end, I understand about this story. 
and still I am searching to understand more about this. Still, we cannot talk to that doctor why he left my mother, although he forced my brother to admit her in a hospital to do treatment. This is a very suspect story that we are trying to understand that. So you say it's a suspicious story that it may have been used to get you to go back to Iran. Yes. I think in order for people to understand why Iran wants to get you to leave the Philippines, go back there, we should start from your story from the beginning, from when you were little growing up in Iran. Tell me about your family growing up. You have five brothers, I understand. Yeah, I have five brothers. and Four are older and one is younger. I was born in a traditional family. They do care about all traditional things in Iran, all traditional beliefs. As the only girl, it was hard to accept all what they believe, but I tried to respect them in the beginning when I was a child. But because of the disbeliefs, I had a hard time. All of this is because what governments teach to people in school or in television, in media, they try to force that always the girls and women should follow the men. This is what they want in, in Iran. I always have a problem to understand this when I was a child and when grow, but I never tried to fight it because I thought maybe I get punished or maybe this is wrong. So I try to just accept. It'll help me, Bahar, if you can tell me from your point of view now, because since you've lived for, I think, six years or so in the Philippines, you've seen more of the world, you see more of how the culture works. It would help me if you can sort out for me the difference between which of these rules, which of these beliefs are part of the indigenous culture of Iran, of Persia, which of them come from the government rules, who's controlling the government, and which of them are specific to religion. I mean, are all girls in all areas of Iran taught the same way you are? All area in Iran is same because all are in the, under control of the government, and this government have a Islamic rule in everything. Uh, when I'm saying everything, means every single things like marriage, like divorce, like how to talk to your brother or sister. Every small details is included. They came even to private things like how to get. Uh, I'm sorry, how to get sex with your Wife, everything is included, and I don't know what's what's the purpose of this because this is not useful. What I see in Iran, it's it's destroyed the culture in Iran, and it makes everyone a hater from each other in family. Brothers are hate of the sister, sister are hating of the brothers, and you can see in the news a father kill his own daughter that was only sixteen age, just because he found. His girl have a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. So who is responsible of this? Of course, of course, government. Because before this regime, before this revolution, we had a king of Iran, the Muhammad Reza Shah, if you heard about him or if you know about him, that I'm sure you know. And during that time, which my mother told me, Iran had a freedom. If Muslim family like to follow Islam rule, they follow. There is no force. If they are Christian, if they are if even they are Muslim and didn't like to follow, they did not follow. And no problem in a f- Muslim family even. But after this revolution, step by step, year by year, it become more different and more change everything. I don't think only problem is Islam. I think the main problem is Islamic regime. 
politics is mixed by Islam, that politics, that everything that they fix in the law is by Islamic. Was your father in accord with the ways that were being taught throughout the nation? Was he a person who thought differently and rebelled? Well, um, I had some friends that, and I had some boyfriends, but not boyfriends. I had a friends that they were boy. And sometimes my brothers understand about that because I went to the park and play with them and my brothers found about this. So they start fighting to me and talking loud to me about this. Why you are doing like, why you are talking to this guy? This is not good. And my father stopped them. My father stopped them and said, this is none of your business. And I have trust in my daughter. It was the first support from my father that I got. And I realized my father is different with the father of the Zahra or any other one. When you feel trust from the father, when you feel support from the father, it's very, very valuable. And you can make your own way because you are sure that your father will support you on your way. And you don't need anyone to support. This is very important for all the girls, which I think. And I start to continue talking to the guys to broken the rules and go to find new things and understand more about this and refresh challenge with for example start theater and go to the new place and always my father's support and when brothers come to stop me we just said this is none of your business she's free to do what she like and also my mother she support me too much she always keep telling me do not wasting your life because of the rules and she said you just leave like what you like because you have only one life don't do something to hurt other always be good always be fine with other people always be kind with the other people but do not sacrifice yourself you have only one life and live like what you like live for what you you believe and also in the hospital i just have once a time to talk to my mother and I cry a lot and say, I'm really sorry that I can't be with you. I try to come and be with you and taking care of you in hospital, but they stopped me. Although I knew if I back to Iran, they will arrest me and I cannot see my mother. And my mother cried and said, never come back to Iran just because of me. Because I'm, even if I die, I'm watching you still. And I want you to continue your way. You're a strong girl and I'm always proud of you. The way that you got well-known throughout the world was in part because you became a beauty queen. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very good headline, you know, Iranian beauty queen. Yeah. So, and, and you are beautiful, of course, but beauty is often, more importantly, from the heart, and it comes through the face. That's how I think exactly. it works in the world. I had a hard time understanding how this worked. You said you got involved in theater while you were still in Iran. And I'm trying to think of how theater goes when women have to be covered with, you know, yeah. you have both the veil and you have what you call a manteau, right? Some people wear manteau, which is not from the head, and there's a scarf and manteau. Some people wear chador that is from the head. All the way down, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, was, I'm, I have a hard time understanding how, I understand you became a model while you were yes. in Iran, that your mother was the only one who knew about it and that you had blonde hair and your hair looks to me not to be blonde at all. I don't, was this a wig or did you dye it? What did you do? How could you be a model in Iran? That means there must have been someone there to take pictures and then they must be breaking the law and all of this. So explain that to me, how that works in Iran. Actually, that time it was too difficult. Right now it's better, but that time 
was too difficult, especially I was a teacher, and it was against the rule of the government. So I do it hidden and secret, and I just talk about this with my mother, because it was always very important to me, my mother be agree with what I'm doing. And I start from the beauty salon. I went there because in Iran that time, beauty salon needs model to train the makeup on their face. And photography studio needs also model to train about photography. That time they were doing this secret too. So I just went to the beauty salon and asked them, do you need a model? And they say yes or no. And it, this just was the start of my job. And step by step, I grew in this job. And more beauty salons, more artists, more photographer knows me. And they call me and they ask to go and do photography. So all of this was done underground. It was hidden when you were growing up. Has the government changed enough to loosen up a little bit about that? Government did not change anything. People change it. You know, if the women or girls like me do not fight for this, it never become change. People like me, many, many Bahars like me change it by going to modeling, by continue, by keep continue, even secrets. They make a change. Right now, even still, it's crime to be a model and showing the hair even on Instagram or social media. It still is crime. But there's millions of the people that they, they do video live on Instagram. They are showing their photo from the modeling. So this is out of the control for government. But still, this is forbidden. This still is crime according to Sharia law in Iran. So government did not change it. People change it. The woman change it. Hooray for women. <laughs> and, I'm, yeah. and I'm very happy to try and support you here. We're going to talk about your situation in the Philippines soon, but there's still a little bit more of the progress that got you to where you are today that I would like to review for people. The thing that Ron Mayer, who connected me with you, and very great yeah. thanks to Ron for doing that, the detail that he told me about you that convinced me that I should interview you was because of the school that you started when you were in Iran. Now, again, you had a good education, and I understand before the revolution, before 1979, Iran was one of the highest educated countries, certainly in the Middle East, and that education still continues for both men and women. And so I'm very excited to know that. And I, I have some friends living right here in Eau Claire who are from Iran, just wonderful people who are dear friends. You graduated from your secondary school, and then you got a bachelor's degree in both yes. Persian studies and history. And then tell me about the school that you worked in before you started your own school. Actually, I want to talk some about before revolution. In that time, the king of Iran forced the woman to go to a school, go to university, and grow up and become an educated person. But after revolution, what is teaching to the family is, your women don't need to educate. Because finally, they want to get married and pregnant and burn a baby. So they make the definition of woman as a factory that only have delivered baby for a man. This is what they are explained about the woman. And they are not agree with the women have a, a high educate. They are saying, okay, before college is enough, just in high school is enough. For them, that's enough to read and write, that's okay. So they don't need in a bank or somewhere, some other people to help them. So the first problem is, again, the regime of Iran, because how different lives with before revolution, and it cannot compare together. I went to the Persian literature and history course because I love the history of the different countries, and 
but what they are teaching in, in the university is horrible. They just teach that before revolution, everything was bad in Iran. We had our dictator, king in Iran, and now everything is fine, and we have a very good president. All is wrong information. But some professors in the university are gentle and teach the truth. So uh, right now it's time to say thanks to them to teach me the truth and talk about the truth and they're teaching in the class, although it's very dangerous for them, but they try to, their best to teach to the students that before this revolution, people had a very nice life and the culture was very different because you don't have 2,500 years culture, which is destroyed by this Islamic rule and this Islamic regime. So I try to study this and say to myself, I have to change this all. I don't like other girls have a hard time like me. I don't like girls have a problem with brothers. I want everything to be fine. So what can I do for my country and for women? What can I do for the people, for the families? Not just for women, even for men. And I'm not a feminist to say only women and women. Because in my country, men also have no basic rights. So it doesn't make difference. I said, teacher. Yeah, teacher is very really important in Iran. So I have to become a teacher. And if I have every year have a class with 52 children, that's enough to make change, at least our state, because I'm from Mashhad state. And I become a teacher, but it was hard to do what I choose. But they dictate to me to teach them according to their books, which they are including the Islamic rule. And my hands was tied. I had too much limitation. So... I talked to my friend, so she said we can open our own school, the private school. I get, again, support from my father. After that, we open our school. Me and my friend get many problems. First problem, they keep asking why you both are single. I couldn't believe this is a problem for the government. And once a time, I've been to the meeting of the managers of the school, the heads of the school, school heads, and the secretary asked me, why you are too young and you are head of the school? How this is possible? I said, this is possible by work hard. She said to me, I hope next time see you that you are married. You should not have a makeup when you are coming into meeting. This is not respectful to other teachers or other people here. And I said, okay, so you mean I can dirty? Because in your mind, having makeup is not nice and you don't like I, I look great. And she said, no, makeup is not good for teachers. What do you want to teach to the uh, children? You want to teach them to make up? And I said, no, I want to teach them to be nice, to be fresh. Uh, after long discourse, I get a one warning. <laughs> I get a warning, and they told me that you have to be careful when you are in the meeting. Do not discuss with the people about these things, or we will sack you from the working or meeting or something like that, and we will dismiss you. After that, I back to school, and during that year, the first year, we start our school only with 20 students because nobody knows us. And in second year, it was a, like big victory. We had 300 students. It was a big victory because all the students went to their families, the cousins, everyone, all come to the, our school. The teachers are nice. The manager is too funny. We have a lot of fun because the first thing that I did in school is ask all children remove their scarf remove their hijab. I said, I want to see your hair. I want to see your beautiful hair. So they're forced to brush their hairs. In the beginning, the parents asked me, why are you asking to remove their hijab? This is hard for us to clean their hair every day. I said, exactly for this, I want to see the hair. Because force you to clean the hair of your children. 
and then the parents said, okay, we will do it. Then after a month, the parent was happy too. They said, that's very good because they are thinking different right now. Before, for example, I had very hard time to ask to my child go to take a bath. They always crying. I like, but now they'll go automatically because they want to look great in the class, in between the classmates. So I said, it's good. It's a good rule. And I keep continuing. And the other problem was for the government, I do not put the image of the president in a school. All the school forced to use picture of the Khamenei and the president, which uh, at that time was Ahmadinejad, all our forces. But I do not use because I hate them. I do not use that. And people report about this. They report about this to the government and government called me and talk to them. Why are you asking to remove the hijab in the school? Why you do not sell picture of the Khamenei in all classroom? And then they ask me about how do you pray as a Muslim? They ask me a lot of Sharia details and they say I'm not well on that. So they understand I'm not practicing that. And they said, okay, uh, we temporarily will close your school until this make clear to us. All my children were crying, but they did that. <laughs> they make it and they close it. So after that, I was banned to work in all the school. So I get kind of the depression. I said, what can I do now? I'm going to ask you about what you do, those things. But first, I have to remind our listeners that they are listening to Spirit in Action. This is a Northern Spirit Radio production. And today, we're speaking with Bahare Zare Bahiri. Bahar is joining us today from the Philippines, where she's been living for almost six years. And we'll talk much more about her experience, both as a teacher, as a beauty queen, as a prospective dentist, and as a refugee having asylum in the Philippines. If one thing comes out of this interview with Bahar, I hope it's that she does receive fair treatment so that she is well-treated and can use all of her talents to be the best person she can be in the world. And again, Bahar, I'm so thankful that you're staying up now till one in the morning where you are to be speaking with me. Again, this is Spirit in Action. Our website is northernspiritradio.org. We've got 15 years of our programs, both Spirit in Action and Song of the Soul, with people all over the United States and a number of people internationally like Bahar. On that site, you can post comments and you can rate the programs. There's a donate button so you can support our programming. And especially important is to support alternative media. For me in the United States, that means community radio stations are especially valuable. And I'm hoping that in Iran and, of course, in the Philippines, everywhere, everywhere there is local media which gives you options. Fortunately, I was able to connect with Bahar through Ron Mayer, who is an Israeli who has been helping media reach widely and to help people doing world healing work like Bahar. So please support those local community radio stations, support the people who are doing world-affirming work to help people have all of the rights that they deserve to have. Again, Bahar is joining us. You just told us, Bahar, about what happened in the school. One thing you didn't mention is how old were the children that you were teaching, and was it only girls? I think in Iran, girls and boys are taught in separate schools. Yes. It was elementary school, uh, although I studied for the high school, but I prefer to work with elementary school. In elementary, what you mentioned the girls are separate from the boys, and I work for boys and girls, work together, and because 
in my opinion, we have to know the character and the psychology of the student, that what's the problem with the boys, what's the problem with the girls, and they are more confident with the teacher if he's a woman or if he's a man. What I experience in Iran, for boys is very nice if the teacher is a woman. They have more confidence, they have more, they too much like to have a teacher as a woman. The men, when they are teaching in Iran, they are super serious, they are too serious with the teaching. So the children get tired. But the women are not like this. The women are patient. The women are kind. And I can say in Iran, the women too much love what they are doing in the class. So the Iranian government closed down your school. And yes. So then you had to look for alternatives. I understand that sometime before that, you were able to access literature and resources that were not available to many people in Iran. In particular, I saw mention that you read the Satanic Verses by Salman Rushdie, and that was a turning point for you. Could you talk about how your mind was changed by reading that and, and by the other resources you were exposed to? Well, in Iran, they call this, they call it uh, Forbidden Books. There was a website for the Iranian out of the Iran. Actually, I have a big thanks to all Iranians out of the Iran who do care about Iran, about our country. And with living Iran, they do not forget the motherland, and they try their best. We lost many people out of the Iran, because the regime also out of the Iran tried to stop the people to teach them the truth. So I went to that website when I was, I think, uh, 17. And through that website, I found a lot of forbidden books, and I read about uh, Salman Rushdie books. And that time, I understand there's something wrong in my beliefs, because, of course, I pray. Of course, I read the Quran, and actually I was a Quran saver. I knew most of the ayah of the Quran because it was what I learned from the family and in school. Even in school, when I was studying, every day in the morning, the head of the school called me to go at the top of the school to reading the Quran because I had a nice voice to reading the Quran, and I pronounced it nice. So always in the school, I was practicing for that. And I'm proud of that. Oh, I'm doing very nice things in the school. But after that, I was thinking about all of this, that if this is like this, why I'm proud of this? So step by step, I read more books that was against my beliefs. And it was really hard to accept that. First, I tried to prove these books are wrong. But when I say as a woman that according to this, I have no rights if I want to divorce or if I want to marry. If I want to marry, I need my father's permission. Without father's permission, the girls cannot get married. So where is my right as a woman? Even if I am 30, even if I am 25, I still need permission of the father. And if father say no, is no. If I want to divorce, I need agreement from the husband. And in some traditional family, need permission from a father too. So again, where is my right? There's a lot of women in Iran right now that I'm talking after all this fighting and all of these victories that we have from the women. Still, there's a lot of women that they have a very hard life and they have a lot of problems with husband, but they can't divorce because they don't have a right. And they have children, and if they divorce, they have no right to see the children. So all what I'm doing is to make change this all forces, the wrong culture that is forced in Iran, the wrong law. I believe all this can change if this regime change and this school law change. I just hopefully I'm fighting for that. 
Were husbands and fathers in control of marriage and divorce before the revolution, as well as afterwards now with the people who are in control? Was it the same way? Before, it was dependent to, to the family. Some family, yes, was under control. But that time, most of the people were not educated. At that time, also, other countries had some forces. It's about a long time ago. About 42 years ago, it's too much time, it's a long time. Remember, Bahar, some of us are 66 years old, so it's not so long ago for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, you know, for the history. <laughs> for the history also is not too long, but, you know, uh, every day things get changed. So with that government, we had chance this force get changed. And that government, that system, tried their best to change these forces that uh, traditional thing that traditional family make like other family and give freedom to the woman. But it was not like this, that if the woman say no, if the child said no, the father killed him. It was not like this. We didn't have like this before revolution. But after revolution, if the woman say no, the father killed sometimes, you know. It's horrible that this government, this system make the father like owner of the family. The father thinks if his daughter say no, he have permission to kill her because government are supporting him. If before, in the last government, in the last system, before revolution, if the father force a girl under age of the 17 to marriage, he will arrest it. But now, if a father want to force the girl to marry at age of the 9, it's okay, and the girl cannot do anything. This is the difference of the before revolution and now. So, Bahar, your school was closed down by the government. Yes. You had to make a decision about what to do with your life. I think that led you to go to the Philippines. Talk about why you went to the Philippines and what you decided to do there. When they closed my school and I banned to work to all other schools, it was a very hard time and I found life difficult. I feel something like depression, and I, I said, I can't live like this forever. And I talked to my mother, my superwoman, and I said to her, if I continue like this, I will get depression. I feel useless, and all my dreams is stop right now. And she said, you're not a tree, you're not a plant, you have a fix, you can move if you don't like here. I said, Mom, what, what about you? i never been far from family. I just had to travel before that to Dubai and to some other countries, to Turkey. So I said, it's not a trip. It's about immigrant. And my mother said, that's okay. You just go and educate. And after your study get finished, I will join to you. But first you have to go. You have to make your own life as uh, what you like. First, I tried to apply for Germany. So I find a friend in Germany that was Iranian and tried to help me to enroll in a university to get a German uh, language courses to travel to Germany. Everything was fine till the sanction started and Iranian become banned to study in Germany at that time. They stopped this and my visa get rejected. So I said, what I can do? I searched about this and I talked to friends and my friends said, uh, you can go to Philippines. I had friends, uh, Filipino friends also, and they said that you can go to Philippines and start your study there, and you know English, and basic English, you know, so you just need a small course to 
speak better and understand better the English language. And in, I talked to my mom and she said, that's fine. But do you think about which course you want to study? And said, yes, I want to study in dentistry because I think if I become a doctor, I do not need government anymore and I can open my own clinic and this is better to me. So 2014, in November, I moved to Philippines and I started my study. Study uh, abroad is not easy, but I like that because knowing more people, seeing more people, understand about you know, the new culture, new people. In the beginning, it was nice to me and it was I was excited all the days to learning more things. But it was really hard because far from family, but... I started, I went and I started, I tried to continue my way and become a doctor. Then, because of the sanctions, Iran gets a lot of problems, like economic problems. And the currency of Iran become low. It was very hard to send money to the Philippines because the bank become banned and there is no Western Union in Iran. So it was very hard to receive money from Iran. I said, okay, what I can do right now? So I have to work and earn. I think about modeling and I went to modeling agency and start my job there and it was very hard because from the morning to the evening I was busy by class and dentistry course is not easy. It was very hard to study, especially for me that English is not my native language. And in the Saturday and Sunday I work also as a model. After that my friend told me they like to participate to beauty pageant in the Philippines. It's a small beauty pageant and then I said, Yes, why not? But we don't have a beauty pageant in Iran. I don't know enough about this. Can you help me in this competition? And she said, of course, I will help you. Then I just enrolled in a small pageant in the Philippines, and uh, I won. <laughs> <laughs> it was nice experience to me. And I said, okay, what is the international beauty pageant? I want to participate as a Miss Iran. I want to show the people to the world that Iranian women are like this. They are beautiful. They are not the lady with the black chador and with the hijab and depressed woman which show in media of the Iran. I don't want to people imagine picture of the Iranian woman like this. I want to show the beauty of Iranian woman and I want to send a message from Iranian woman because really all the young ladies who are working for Modeli, they like to participate in beauty pageants, but they don't have a chance to do that because this is forbidden in Iran. So you won these pageants. Did you win as a Miss Iran it was a local name in the Philippines. It was a Miss Luzon. <laughs> Miss Luzon. And these competitions you were involved in, I, I understand there are at least three different competitions that you won. One was Miss Elegance, Miss Intercontinental, and Miss Globe. And so yeah. you're everything. <laughs> <laughs> First competition that I joined as an international competition was Miss Globe. That was a very great experience for me for the start of the journey to international beauty pageant. And it was in China. So in 2018, I participated that and I enrolled and I registered and they accept me. And they even warning me that, do you know this is dangerous to join? Do you know if you back to Iran, you will may see the problem because we never had a candidate from Iran during last 41 years ago. And I said, yes, I know everything. And they said, welcome. And I traveled to China in December, and I participated, and I was in top 10. I won the nine steps, and except that, I won also Miss International Globe and Miss Friendly Globe also. 
and also Miss Peace. <laughs> Miss Peace. Well, that's yeah. that's a title that's well worth having. Actually, yeah. when I was in college, my girlfriend, my first year at the university, was involved in beauty pageants, and she eventually won and became Miss Wisconsin for my state. So I was had a beauty queen girlfriend too. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Although I have to say that there's much about the culture of beauty pageants I don't like much. That is to say, I think beauty of the heart yes. is more important than beauty of the face. Yes. So, I agree with you. So I understand being involved in these competitions. You also made some statements, some political statements, some people would say. Could you explain about that and then the consequences that happened because of that? Yeah, uh, actually, when I participate, I make plan for myself that what I want to do in this competition. I said I don't want to just go on a stage and have a sash that wrote and that Miss Iran. I want to give a message, and what is message of the, my country? I think a lot about that. Well, I said, okay, there is one part in the old pageant that call it in traditional costume. So I make a costume that have a message from Iranian people. I make a flag that is the Shiro Horshid flag. Versona lion, that is the flag from before revolution of Iran that used Iranian people. And the government changed this flag without permission from people. They put in the middle Allah. The sign is Allah before it was Shiro Horshid or sign and lion. So I said this flag can be a message for the world that people are not angry with this government. The other one that I make, it was a symbol of the freedom in Iran. And I used that too. So I went to the stage and I used that, although I received before that. Before that, I talked on the media, on the Facebook. I, I explained about that on the Facebook Live, and I said, I want to do this tonight in the national costume participating. And before that, many cyber attacks started to stopping me. They emailed to the manager of the competition, and they said, she's not allowed to do that. And if she's doing that, they start threats this competition. And they said, if she do that, we will uh, make a case against you because this is not uh, legally and this is against of the Iran and something like that. And they was worried because they don't have any idea about that. And they come and said, we don't want a drama, we don't want a problem, so we will stop you on this step. And I cry a lot. And they say, how is it possible? This is my plan to participate and give message. And before I participate, register, I talk about this to you. And you accept that. And I accept also, you give me warning that this is dangerous to me. And I accept that. So this is my right to join and participate. And they said, no, they cannot because you don't. they just scared about that. And they were right because they have no idea about this. Then my friends, my sister pageants, support me and they said two of them said if she do not we will not also participate contestants together said bahar has to be free to do her witness yeah yeah they try to support me and i'm thankful to all of them and i'm agree with you that beauty is not only on the face it's on the heart and uh, i believe all the girls on the world are beautiful if they have a golden heart this is only about heart and what they are doing for the world and my beliefs so I had permission to participate, and I participated, and I showed that flag, and then after that, all the drama started. I back to Philippines, and embassy of Iran started calling me, started threatening me, and many problems started, like make fake cases in the court by the, some Iranian thugs to just make me busy by courts and stop me and study and make situation hard to me and pressure on me to approach them in embassy and accept what they are asking. 
but I fight for that because I was sure they can't do anything since I'm not guilty. And the court and judge, and thanks to all of that judge that understand the truth and dismiss all the cases. I thought to myself, okay, this is finished. I even said, it was a good try, but you lose and I win, so I will continue. Again, I participated in Miss Intercontinental, which was in the Philippines and Manila. I again participated. It was a big pageant. I this time said I want to add another message that uh, people, okay, people are against this government. So who is their head or leader for all this protested? Which people in Iran want is Prince Reza Pahlavi, who is son of the king of the Iran. So I just printed picture of him. And I held this in the national costume with the flag of Iran. Again, I wear a flag with a Sharon Horshid sign, the sun and lion. And in the national costume, I held this picture of Prince Reza Pahlavi. I sent this message to the world. and It was a very big pageant. It was live on the media. And the regime of Iran got more angry to me. <laughs> because this time I act too radical. So they make more pressure on me. Start again courts from very far from the city that I lived. It was very hard to me always be absent in class and attend in the court. But the teachers understand me and they just try to help me. It was a very hard time for me. It was I always say, okay, it's, it's, it's the hardest time. They cannot do more than this. You just keep continue. Again, all the case will dismiss it and you just continue. But they start to threat me again by calling me from embassy by consul that whose name was Ali Reza Sadiqi, the consul of the Iran in embassy of the Philippines. So he called me, Mr. Sadiqi always talked like a boss and said, if you do not come here, we make more hard and more tight situation for you. And we are just playing right now with you. This is not the hardest thing that we can do with you. We can do more than this. We will deport you from Philippines to Iran and then you will jail and you face all what you you can't even imagine. And I always say they cannot do that because I'm in the Philippines. I'm out of Iran, so I don't need to follow the rule of Iran because I'm not in Iran anymore. I just need to follow the rule of the Philippines. I Again, I received invitation from Miss Elegance in Tunisia. And I said, okay, I will go and again continue my way. I, I said to myself, this is the last time. This is enough. But when I reached to Tunisia, I faced the ports. During that time, I never knew this is about the regime of Iran. This is ordered by them. I thought maybe there is something similar in the name, something problem mistakes that about my name with, with other people. I don't know. So I was banned and I couldn't enter to Tunisia. So I lost that beauty pageant and that competition. After five days, the Riza Pahlavi helped me. And I stay in transit and I said I'm not accepting to back to Iran. And I fight for that. So the Reza Pahlavi connected me and said uh, he's helping me to stop this deport. He called Jordan government and asked them uh, my deport be in Jordan. So I fly to Jordan and the deport was cancelled. Then I thought, okay, what can I do here? He said, okay, I will go to Dubai and I will go to embassy of the Tunisia because there is no embassy of Tunisia in the Philippines. So I went to Dubai from Jordan. I stayed in Dubai for a month. I talked to the Tunisia embassy and they said, we don't know what's wrong. We just know you cannot enter to Tunisia. Then when I said the competition is done, it's finished, I said, okay, I will back to Philippines to finish my study because I was in the last semester to graduate. 
So I went back to Philippines to graduate and after that moved to Canada because it was my plan after study in Philippines and become doctor, continue my, uh, my study in an orthodontics course in Canada. So I fly to Philippines on October 17, and unbelievable, they stopped me to enter. And they said, you have to deport to Iran. It was a horrible story to me. Still, when I think about that, I can't believe this all, because six years of living in Philippines, and I had no problem with anyone in Philippines. I had no crime, and all the cases was dismissed. They keep saying, when I said, what's the problem, they call Interpol. The Interpol told me that the problem is not about Philippines, it's about Tehran Interpol. We have an order that we have to return you back to your country because you are guilty in Iran. I said, okay, okay, for example, I'm, I'm accepting everything that you are saying. What year they are mentioned that I have crime in Iran? And they said 2018. I said, can you please open my passport and see what's writing in my passport from 2014? I never back to Iran. So... When I wasn't in Iran physically, how can I have a crime in Iran? This is a fake case. This is what government of Iran doing always to return back people from the foreigner land to punish them. Please do not accept this. And they were confused about this. But some security guard tried to force me to sit in the plane. And it was a very horrible experience for me because they was carrying me and I see the plane and I scared. I said, oh, it's the last chance for you. So I fight with them. They were carrying me from my hair and my, they hold my feet. And I just make free my legs and put to face off the kick face of the security just to free myself from their hands. And then they stop and I shout a lot and ask help to people. And they kept me in the transit. In transit, I start to review with a reporter, with the channel, with the people and ask them to help. And during that Almost four weeks, I become on the top of the media and everywhere and around the world, people try to help me. And once more time, I appreciate their helps because of them. I win this uh, fight and I do not return back to Iran. But although I do not return back to Iran and I get asylum in Philippines, the stories get not finished. After I entered the Philippines, I experienced a lot of pressure again. I did not see any support from Philippines government, even peoples. I received three times physical attacks. My nose broken once a time, and this is right in, in police report. Many more experience during this last year that I'm refugee here. And the saddest part is people are not understand refugee rights here. So to recap, a year ago, October, you're coming back from Dubai. You arrive and all of a sudden you're prevented from re-entering the Philippines because of a false claim made by Iran through Interpol. You lived in the airport for three to four weeks, which yes. there are a number of videos and news stories. And the media all over said, you know, Iranian beauty queen trapped in the situation. There was an uprising and you were given asylum in the Philippines. But unfortunately, yeah. that means things got worse for you, which up until that time, you were in your last semester of training for dentistry. Yeah. The first problem was in the school. said, you cannot enter to school because we're scared that some people come and throw you in the school and we get drama in the school about this. So did you actually graduate? So you, you do yes, have I your degree? Finally. Yeah, okay. finally I graduated by a lot of times to school and asking and by getting help from Department of Justice in the Philippines. First, they did not help me, but I said, if you do not help me, I will go on the media and I will talk about this, that I have no right to study here and I'm 
uh, almost done. I'm graduating, and this is not respect to my human rights, basic human rights. I spent six years of my life to study here, and I won't graduate. So they just wrote a letter to school to let me to enter. You said, Bahar, that you were attacked three times, including one time when they yes. broke your nose which you should yes. not do to a beauty queen. Breaking the nose of a beauty <laughs> yeah. queen is wrong. But were the people who attacked you, were they Iranians? Were they Filipinos? Were they other people? Are all the threats coming from the government of Iran? Most of the threats come from the cyber accounts, the fake accounts. But uh, after a few months, they start by actual accounts. I know all of them. I have all of the emails that I send to the Department of Justice and report about the threats, but they don't care about this. They keep saying, since you are healthy and nothing happened to you serious, we are not doing anything. When I report about the license motor and the number of the license, and I show the picture that I had from the guy, police say, we will try to find him, but they did nothing, in fact. And they just advised me, which is it is written in the report that uh, we advise her to go to hospital to do treatment for her nose because her nose is broken. After that, I again received threats from Iranian tags, which I, which I know him very well. And he keeps sending texts to me that he will again attack me. And he said, did you see that no one cares about you? Do you think that because you're a beauty queen, the world is care about you? Nobody cares about you. You're not in the media anymore. So the regime asked me to stop my activity. And I say no to them. Right now, it's only three months that I had no activity. And this is because my mother. There's no any other reason. I'm not scared to anyone. I'm not scared of my life. But because I lost my mother, I'm not mentally okay to have a discuss on media about politics and, and to have activities. So I give rest to myself. This is my message to Iranian government if they think I am scared. I have a friend here, which I'm grateful to him, always taking care of me financially and like a friend always be with me his name is morris once a time they even attack him just to stop him to support me they broke his hand and five unknown people attack him at the night just to stop him to support me and there's all the message from consul of the iran that ask him to stop your relationship with her and he said no i'm not stopping because she is my classmates and she's like my family i can't stop her to support her she needs me and the guy the, the consul of iran said okay so maybe you need to get some lesson there's all these threats and we send all of this to the department of justice to get help but they are not helping so when i share this video that police try to send me to iran embassy run message me and he said, I'm trying to help you, and I appreciate his help. And this is the story that we are here now. Well, I hope we can also help you via Northern Spirit Radio, and the Spirit in Action program will certainly help put the word out. But we'll try and leverage it to many different directions so that more people can reach out to you. Is there a way that people can actually offer support to you directly? They can send you money so you can live on. I am blocked on Western Union for unknown reason. Since I become refugee, they blocked me on Western Union. So I couldn't receive under my name. Sometimes some friends helped me uh, during the last three months since I lost my mother. Some friends helped me by Western Union on the name of the other friends, not my name. 
if someone would like to help you, how can they contact you? How can they reach out? Can they send money through one of your friends? Can they in some other way reach out to you? Uh, they can connect me in the social media on my Instagram, which is uh, Dr. Bahar, underline Bahari, or on my Facebook, Bahar Z Bahari. This is uh, my account. Even they can connect my friend, uh, Ron, and ask him to, because I'm blocked everywhere. There is no way that I want to address here or mention here. If you are interested in helping Bahar, please reach out. I will have those links on northernspiritradio.org, both to Dr. Bahari and Ran Mayer. You'll find those links on Northern Spirit Radio so that we can reach out and help. I would like to mention something, Mark. In January 2020, some friend in Canada applied for sponsorship in Canada to help me move to Canada. I don't know what's wrong. Still, Canada government did not answer about this request. Although there are a team, there is a lawyer and there is a team that there are five people and they work hard to help me to move to Canada and everything is done by then. And they promised that financially support me in Canada since I live in Canada. But still, there is no answer on this uh, applicant. I'm confused about this. Well, we'll try and help facilitate that again. Folks, you can contact Ron Mayer via his email, ronmayer at gmail.com. Ron is R-A-N-M-E-I-R at gmail.com. The link is on northernspiritradio.org. We'll have Instagram for Bahara Zara Bahiri on northernspiritradio.org. Come to our site and we will connect you up with her so you can help out. Thank you so much, Bahar, for the way that you have faithfully opened your own mind to see more clearly freedom and rights and to try and reach out and extend that. The glittering gem, as far as I see it, is the school that you started. I only wish that we had another thousand Bahars in this world reaching out to students that way to help be as free and fruitful as they can be. Just the fact that you have continued to improve yourself, to put your life on the line for other people and again, to achieve your own rights. I hope we can help you with that. Thank you so much for joining me for Spirit in Action. Thank you so much to spend your time. It was very nice to see you and nice to know you. And uh, thanks to Ron to introduce me to you. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for all you are doing for me. And thanks to all people who are listening to my voice. We had to trim some of this interview in order to fit in our 55-minute broadcast window. But you can listen to the full visit with 20 more minutes of Bahar on northernspiritradio.org. Listen to that and know Bahar better, and please reach out to help her. And join us here next week for Spirit in Action. The theme music for this program is Turning of the World, performed by Sarah Thompson. Check out all things Spirit in Action on northernspiritradio.org. Guests, links, stations, and a place for your feedback, suggestions, and support. Thanks for listening. I'm Mark Helpsmeet, and I hope you find deep roots to support you to grow steadily toward the light. This is Spirit in Action. With every voice, with every song. 